Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Advanced Relationship Podcast. This is Bryce Bauer, just me today. I'm excited to be here and drop some knowledge on you surrounding a topic that I know a lot about personally and professionally. Even though I know quite a bit about relationships, uh, when it comes to substance abuse and how to deal with substance abuse, this is something that I started dealing with at an early age, got into the recovery field at a really early age, worked for multiple treatment centers, was trained as an interventionist, sober coach, all that. So I think I can speak at length on this topic and I know what I'm talking about. So this comes up sometimes when couples reach out to me or maybe it's an individual. And one of the problems is that one or both people in the relationship are abusing substances to enough of a degree that people are concerned. And even if they're not in legal trouble, even if they're still able to hold down a job on, on an emotional level, a spiritual level, or maybe a physical level, people are concerned. And this can be a very contentious issue, especially when you're dealing with a legal substance like alcohol. You know, it's not illegal to get hammered at night, every night at your house, or if you're prescribed painkillers or something or anxiety meds. Let's even take out whether or not these are being abused and just look at the side effects. There are just a ton of side effects that go along with any substance use, whether or not you're abusing them. So it's really valid to have a concern about your friend or your partner when they're using substances, whether it's for a short-term thing like an injury or long-term to deal with a mental health issue or if they just really enjoy drinking. And I'll kind of break this down so it makes more sense because you might be wondering where you or your partner... And we'll kind of keep it in the scope of uh, intimate relationship. But I'll break it down as to where where maybe you can see your place in this if this is something that you've dealt with before. So I see there being essentially like three categories of substance abuse. The first is recreational use. It's kind of just whenever you feel like it. Mostly this is going to be alcohol someone that likes to have a glass of wine or two at dinner, at parties or events, um, it may not really be much of an issue as far as the whole context of the relationship's concerned. It might be more of a situational issue, like, hey, when we go to these get-togethers, sometimes you have a little bit too much to drink, and I tend to feel embarrassed or concerned about you, And I don't like how this is going, but I don't know how to navigate it. So there's the first category. We'll call it like level one. is is just pretty mild, right? The next level up from that, call it level two, is someone who is definitely overusing whatever substance they enjoy to use. This means that they're consistently using it multiple times per week it is having a negative impact on the relationship. Maybe it's the communication, being able to trust the other person. It could be physical health that's deteriorating. And of course, you know, mental and emotional safety in the relationship is just 
being damaged by the substance use. So there's level two. And level three is for someone who's a full-blown alcoholic or addict. There's really no question about it. I mean, there is a chance that they might still deny this, but this is for people that are using on a daily basis. They would actually experience acute withdrawal symptoms if they were to stop. Um, Their life is probably very negatively impacted by their substance uses. It's probably hard to hold down a job or have any type of relationship with anybody because they're just kind of fucked up all the time. So this person is probably the easiest to spot because they're just not ever themselves ever really. They're either high or drunk or recovering from being high or drunk. So there, there's really no question here if, if you fit into or you know someone who fits into that category. So I'll talk about what I see as the plan my suggested plan and thoughts around each level of substance abuse. So starting from the top, the most severe extreme level, I really see this as an individual issue. The person with the substance abuse issue has to be the one that's willing to reach out and get help. I've seen this many, many times where uh, there's a young man in many cases, it's often men more than women, are abusing substances and they've been enabled for years and years and their house, their family house or their house and, and the family comes over has basically turned into a treatment center. Um, the family is constantly trying to help them detox, hold down a job, pay their bills, stay healthy. I mean, they enable their life in every way possible. And this can cycle for years and years and years, and people can go uh, in and out of jail when they get in trouble. They can be homeless for periods of time. Uh, Some people that have more privilege just get on their family's payroll for life, and they just stay there, and they're able to get whatever substance they want to use whenever they want. And so they might go through periods of going to treatment and AA and outpatient and getting sober for periods of time. But for the most part, the family does not let them fall far enough for them to really experience the pain that their addiction is causing them and the others in their life. So this can just keep happening over and over. There's really no reason that that this pattern would need to stop. If everyone does the same thing, nothing will, will change. So with someone like this, it's really important to get some outside guidance. You need an objective person, a professional in the mix. Most often people that are using every day, I might say, I might say always, uh, need to go to an inpatient facility to get that distance between them and their last use so that their brain and their body can recover enough for them to start to be able to do more things on their own. They usually need a lot of accountability, whether that be a live-in person or an outpatient program, a therapist that they're seeing on a regular basis. AA is great for this, even though I don't agree with all the ways that AA tries to treat alcoholism or addiction. 
um, or all the anonymous programs, I do think it is the best way to get involved in a community, which in turn provides a lot of accountability. Um, in AA, people are very involved in service and activities, and it can be a lot of fun. I was involved in AA for many years and went to a lot of conferences, a lot of meetings, sponsored people. I was sponsored by people, worked the steps, did all that. I mean, in the beginning stages of recovery, I think it's it just can be really, really helpful. But I don't think that a spouse or a family is going to fix that problem on their own. So whether it's you or whether it's your partner here, I think you need to get some third-party advice and guidance and support to be able to go through the whole process of recovery. And in most cases, I think it takes at least a year of sobriety before you can really gauge where someone is and what they're capable of doing in their life. Um, and it just takes that much time for the brain to start to heal and to, to see someone's personality come back. Um, so that's those are my thoughts on someone who's in like an extreme form uh, of substance abuse or dependence. So secondly, you have the level two person who definitely has an issue with substances. And again, they might still question this, which is really fascinating. I mean, that can be part of the disease is just an inability to self-reflect and to see the damage that it's causing and to kind of keep up uh, the gig. There needs to be a lot of deceit and manipulation. And part of that can be just denying that the problem exists at all and gaslighting anyone who tries to confront them or challenge them on their use. So again, this can be really tricky. I see this as more of a personal issue still. I think a lot of times um, whether someone needs to go to treatment for this is debatable, but still I think that you need some third-party support in some way. And for sure this person needs to be willing and needs to follow through on getting some one-on-one support, even if you're also getting some relationship couple support along with this. Because the wife or the husband or the family is just not going to be able to dig in deep enough and is not going to have enough skill or objectivity even to be able to help someone with some of the trauma that they're experiencing, which a lot of times is going to be reflected It might even be caused by the nuclear family or reflected by the partner in such a way that they're just not going to be able to help in the beginning stages, I think, very well. So for someone like this, if you have a partner that is coming home and drinking themselves to sleep multiple nights per week, that's definitely an issue. I mean, that's you cannot count on a partner who's doing that night after night. Um, They're incapable of really functioning during long periods of the day that you might really need them, not just physically, but also emotionally. So I don't see how any relationship can continue under those conditions. And it can be super, super challenging to even contemplate making a move here because a, a lot of times if the substance use has gotten this bad and the emotional safety has been damaged for long enough, you might be in a position where you're actually considering separation. 
because I, I just don't think that a healthy relationship or no one's going to really feel good in that experience for very long. I mean, people do it for years and years, but it doesn't mean that there isn't still damage being caused by the lack of trust and the lack of security in the relationship. And if you're wondering how to confront this, I think for a lot of people, it begins with getting some one-on-one support or a second opinion. You really need another set of eyes on the situation because even you, if you're the one who's in the relationship who's even not using or who's who's the, the helper or the enabler, your view, your perspective of the situation and your partner is probably going to be skewed by years of denial and there's also probably going to be some confirmation bias here um, that's reinforced by your partner that this really isn't that big of an issue and this is especially tricky with alcohol because alcohol is legal and we kind of put it in this other category separate from drugs like it's drugs and alcohol when when the active ingredient in in alcohol ethanol is a real drug that has the same effects that lots of other illegal drugs have on the nervous system and the personality and your ability to function. Not only that, alcohol also tends to have an aggressive component to it when it comes to sexuality and physicality. So people are more likely to get in fights or be sexually aggressive when they've been drinking. And this can become a huge problem, especially if both partners are drinking. Um, I mean, I've heard some really crazy stories. And there's, I, I would assume that most domestic violence calls involve alcohol. I mean, it's turn on any episode of Cops, and <laughs> if there's a domestic violence issue, most likely someone's drunk, you know? So, it, and it might not get to that point. Um, I just think it's more likely to get to an aggressive place when someone is using alcohol and there's more likely, it's more likely that there's abuse in the relationship, either physically or emotionally, psychologically. It's just a really dark place to be in for everyone involved, whoever's close by to the addicted. If you are in this position, I feel for you. It can be extremely hard and confusing to know what to do. I think it's still really important that you reach out to a third party and get some help here. Um, This is something that I work with a little bit, but even if it's not me, there's plenty of people out there that, that should be able to help. And then from there, at some point, if both people... I I mean, I would suggest that both people be getting individual help, and then at some point you do have to bring it to the relationship and begin to do some couples work and some healing together at the same time because I think that's, that's really the final step in working towards a secure relationship again, and it can be done. I mean, it happens all the time. People do recover from substance abuse, and they do heal their trauma, and they do their marriages can work out and they do get to keep their jobs. I mean, this is something that happens all the time. It kind of happens more underground, you know. AA is kind of a secret society, so I can I can speak to it and say that this really does happen for a lot of people, but it, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. Again, I think the benchmark is probably around a year. Like if you and your partner are willing to do a year's worth of individual work and then at some point move it into couples work and they're able to stay sober, um, 
it really is possible to save your relationship, your marriage, your family. And I'm almost imagining, as I'm saying this, I'm imagining this question coming in from a lot of people like, well, will I ever be able to drink again? Or will my partner be ever be able to drink again? And my answer to that is, I don't know. I don't know what that means exactly. I find that a lot of people who try to go back to drinking alcohol in a more normal way don't often really succeed with it. I'm 100% sober myself, and that really works for me. I think that you need to give it at least a year before you really know where you're at. And even then, I would highly caution people if they're deciding to try out drinking again because it is an extremely slippery slope. I mean, people can launch right back into addiction within one drink. And and I've heard the stories. I've seen it happen firsthand. It's it's a very common story in the recovery field. So um, again, I don't know everyone's specific situation, but I think for most people, it's going to be hard to do that. And the question that I would pose back to anyone who's asking that is, well, what do you hope to gain from that? For most people, drinking provides a way to feel differently. It's a a way to um, calm the nervous system when you're unable to do it on your own. Um, And I think there are ways to work with that that don't have all the negative side effects. Alcohol really has no positive health benefits other than just the feeling of feeling more relaxed. But I would argue that whatever benefits you think that you can only get from alcohol, you can actually get from CBT and DBT and meditation and exercise and eating healthy. And ultimately, I mean, being someone who's been sober a long time, I notice the subtle differences when someone's drinking versus when they're not. And I don't like to hang out with people that are drinking. I actually feel much less connected to them. And I think that it provides somewhat of a a block to authenticity, even though people seem to feel like they're opening up more. Maybe they feel less inhibited um, to be themselves. My gut instinct here is to is is the sense that what I'm seeing when someone is drinking, if they're using it as kind of the painkiller to show up more authentically, is really more of a mask over what's actually happening versus authenticity or vulnerability itself. Okay, so then the final level that I'll talk about is, is the level one. So this is someone that um, you or your partner like to have a few drinks at events, at parties, maybe at home, a couple beers watching the game, a couple glasses of wine to wind down, whatever it is. Now this can be especially tricky because someone who's drinking just a little bit probably isn't going to have many negative side effects. Maybe they drink a little bit too much once in a while and end up getting sick, or maybe they you know, fall asleep midday, watching football and wake up groggy and irritable. I mean, there there's there's ways that this can play out in a in a negative way, but it's going to be harder to kind of pinpoint exactly what's happening. I think the whoever's choosing to drink is is probably not going to think that it's much of a problem. 
and it might even be kind of their little safe space in their life to really kick back and relax and uh, feel more like themselves. So I find a lot of times people are pretty reluctant to do any reflecting on their alcohol use, especially when it's not very much. Um, and again, if it's not a problem, it's it's not a problem. And I do hear this often in relationships where even though the person isn't drinking or using their substances to the degree that we would call it abuse, it still has these subtle side effects that erode the emotional safety within the relationship. Um, you know, now a lot of people are prescribed medications for focus, and amphetamines definitely have a strong effect on people. Some people deal with chronic pain, and they have to, and they feel like they need to take a painkiller on a daily basis or as needed um, to deal with that. Benzos are also really widely prescribed now for anxiety, and those can really do a number on someone's energy and personality. And then, of course, you have alcohol. Um, There's just a lot of things out there. And it's pretty complex, right? Like, I'm not going to tell anyone that they shouldn't take the medications that they're being prescribed by their doctor, especially if they feel like it's working. Um, This is more about how do you open up the conversation to talk about how it feels and what it's like to be in a relationship with someone who is under the influence, even if it's very, very subtle. So this is one that I think you can do as a couple. You can have this conversation as a couple right off the bat. Um, You don't necessarily need a third party there. And I think the initial leading into the conversation will be very indicative of just where your safety is with this topic and with the relationship. Because if you bring it up and your partner's really open to it, like, yeah, I want to hear your experience about this. I want to talk about it. I want this to feel better for both of us. Then, I mean, you're well on your way. It just might be like any other issue you face in your relationship. Use the, the basic tools and skills reflecting, validating, curiosity on both ends and you're able to get to some kind of resolution and you might, it might not even require the person to stop using the substances. You might just reach a point of understanding even if it's kind of like, hey, it doesn't totally feel okay right now but it feels better than it did and we're on the right path. However, if the partner immediately gets defensive and isn't willing to talk about it, then you have a a different issue on your hands. You're creating this kind of blind spot, this closet within your relationship that neither one of you are able to go into, and I think that's going to burn and fester and really, again, erode the emotional safety within the relationship if there's anything that can't be talked about in a way that feels good for both partners. So hopefully that's helpful if anyone listening to this is dealing with someone in their life who has a substance abuse, call it problem, or maybe you have a problem with their substance abuse. I get it. It's really tricky. Hopefully I provided enough guidance here as to how you can move towards this feeling better. And that is all. I wish you all the best through this Christmas holiday, and we'll talk to you all in 2022. 